Uh, my name is Ben Montgomery, and I help with KidZone here at Ridgeview. I'm really excited to be here. What we're talking about in this series is really important. It really helps in real life. And so we got a great opportunity to learn from God's Word during this series. And today, we're going to be looking at something called a snapshot of the wise. Now, before I start, I'd like to ask you a tough question. What kind of person are you? What kind of person are you? Another way to think about it is, what would people say about you? What would people say about you? You're not there. People are being honest. Hopefully they're being kind. What would they say? What would they say about me? These are tough questions. I don't particularly like to think about them sometimes, but they tie into what we're going to talk about today. Before we jump into that, let me invite you to use your imagination. Imagine a big, big city. Uh, let's call it Los Bernardino. No, no, that's, that's too obvious. Let's call it San Angeles. Okay, in San Angeles, there are lots of people, there's lots of messages. You could look around and read all kinds of things. You're being bombarded. And as you move through, there's also the billboards, right? And in this city, the billboards say things like, buy this, come to our theme park, that kind of stuff. But also, one day, a billboard pops up, and it just says, look higher. There it is, look higher. Then another one pops up, different part of town, but in another place where lots of people are moving past, and it says, dig deeper. Now, somebody is trying to get people's attention. Do people notice these? Maybe a few do. Would we? Hmm. And we're going to come back to the billboards in a few moments, but first, let's recap last week's message, how we launched our series. We launched by looking at how wisdom flows from God, not from me, not from you, not from the TV, thank goodness, but it flows from God. And as it flows from God, it gives his followers a real edge in life. It helps us to move through life effectively, to experience real success in life. Bad things happen in life, right? You've experienced them. You might be experiencing them right now. Bad things happen in life even if all of our choices are perfect. And so we need wisdom to help us work through all the trouble that life brings. It's a broken world. Not only that, but as you know, let's be honest, we do all make bad choices. And so wisdom gives us protection from what Pastor Alex last week referred to as the school of hard knocks. You don't want to be there for too long, right? You get lumps, as he said. Wisdom protects us from that, and it helps us to fix the stuff we've messed up. You've messed up. I've messed up. Wisdom gives protection. Wisdom helps us fix it. And so we want to sharpen the axe. The message series is called The Edge. That's where that series comes from. Sharpen the edge so you can cut through life effectively. So you don't hurt yourself by doing something dumb with a dull blade. That kind of thing, right? It makes the work easier. It takes effort to sharpen the axe. You have to stop. You have to stop what you're trying to do to gain wisdom, to sharpen the edge. But it makes the work easier. We've all heard, work smarter, not harder, right? You're going to be working your way through life one way or the other. And so let's grab hold of wisdom. We're going to have to make, keep making decisions based on our judgment. What kind of judgment do we have? What kind of judgment do we want to have? Now today, as I mentioned, it's the snapshot of the wise. A snapshot captures a moment in time, right? Click, there it is. You can go back and look at it. You can think about it. You could even learn from what you see in that snapshot. Would we know a wise person if we saw one? How would you know if someone was wise? 
what could you think about or learn about or gain from a snapshot of their life? Now today, the snapshot is also, in a lot of ways, a vision for the future. I have seen a vision. It's a vision for the future because before when I asked, what kind of person are you, the obvious question that comes with it is, what kind of person do you want to become? And when I asked, what would people say about you, the question really is, what do I want people to say about me? And maybe now they say, well, he, he does some things pretty well, but he has these weak points in his life, and either he sees them or he just ignores them. But they cause damage. I don't want people saying that about me. I want to move past that, move further and further into the snapshot of the wise. So this picture of wisdom, it's actually open to all of us as we trust God, as we obey him, and gradually, step by step, we grow in wisdom. Every single one of us. We're going to make these decisions in the flow of life, and they're going to add up. They're going to stack up and give us results. We can become people who know how to understand a situation. What's really going on here? I see a lot of activity, but do I really know what's causing what and how to deal with it? We can become people who more and more know how to respond as we understand what's happening. And then we can have the courage to do what's right. We can grow into all of that. In the years ahead, you... Each one of you could, by God's grace, become a deeply inspiring, more and more deeply inspiring picture of wisdom to the people around you. That's what God's inviting us to. So I am just really excited to be here today as we think about what this looks like. The question still, how do we know who is wise? But more importantly, how do I know if I'm wise? Have you ever thought somebody, you think back into the relationships that you've had growing up or moving through life, and have you ever thought somebody was really wise? They really knew about something. Hey, this, this person really gets it. They know how this works. Following their advice is the way to go. I'm going to align myself more with what they're doing. And then it turns out to be totally wrong. I can think of some situations pretty quickly. Wow, that was somebody I thought would steer me in the right direction, and they didn't but I followed anyway. That's going to leave a mark. So again, how do I know what kind of person I am? Am I, am I wise? Am I growing in wisdom? And if I am, how do I measure my progress? Jesus gives us great help with this. In Luke chapter 6, he explains one of the key parts of this whole way of understanding wisdom and how to move into it. And before we jump in, here's a little context. Jesus is teaching a large crowd Lots and lots of people there. And he's saying several things that all emphasize one point. Don't focus on someone else's sins. Focus on taking care of your own. He says, do not judge or you're going to be judged. Do not condemn or you're going to be condemned. Those things belong to God. You can have discernment in life, but the judgment and the condemnation, that's God's job. Don't do that. And he says, forgive. You want freedom? Forgive. He says, give generously. You want to receive abundantly? Give abundantly. And then he says, and maybe you've heard this before, don't go bugging someone about a speck in their eye when you've got a stick coming out of yours. It just isn't going to work. Okay, now then, after all that, Luke writes these verses as if to say, here's the point of all this. Here's the bottom line. Okay, let's look at it together. Luke 6, 43 to 45, he says, No good tree bears bad fruits, nor does a bad tree bear good fruits. It just doesn't work that way, right? You go to a tree that looks great and you find terrible, weird fruit that doesn't belong to it. That's not how it works. You go to a raggedy tree expecting something good. Most people don't do that. 
And he says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Metaphor alert, right? People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars, right? You don't go out and say, oh, man, I found some thorn bushes back there. Why don't you run and get me some figs? We'll make Newtons. No, people don't do that. There's the briars. Let's get the grape juice going. No, it just isn't the way life works. Then he says, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with this passage anymore, right? For out of the overflow of the heart, this is the key, for out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. For out of the overflow of the heart, his mouth speaks. Jesus lays it on the bottom shelf for us. That's the place where anybody can get it, right? Our actions reveal what is in our heart. You want to know if you're wise? Well, what are you doing? Because it's flowing from your heart. Now, to help illustrate this, I have a small demonstration. Some might call this an amazing feat of strength. Others might say it's just a great picture of failure. You be the judge. Behold, an entire tree. Yes, I'm holding an entire tree in one hand. Now, take a look at this. All right, this tree has been given sunscreen. See the white? Some of you guys know exactly what this is. Everybody else, maybe it's just a new thing. It's been given sunscreen to protect it from the sun. And yet, is it thriving? No. It's not thriving at all. Check out the roots. They're supposed to be much lighter, right? They're supposed to spread out all over the place to support the plant. What we have here is basically rotted away and fallen off. Pro tip, bad roots, unhappy life, right? Okay, now... Notice how many leaves it has. If I shake it too hard, something that used to be a leaf might fall onto the stage. Okay, but most importantly, look at how much fruit it has produced. Now, I'm going to tell you this because I don't think it can hear me. It's a bad tree. It's a bad tree. There's no fruit. This is supposed to be producing avocado. This is a Hass avocado tree. I had great dreams. This actually, Hass Jr., because I killed one before that too. Hass Jr. looked so good when we met, and for a while things were fine, and now here we are. I, I was going to say something else clever, and there's nothing. It's just a lot of sadness and regret. You have a hobby. You want to feel successful. Look at this. All right, let's get it out of the way. Now, the quality of that tree is easy to see, Right? Sometimes the fruit from our hearts comes out unexpectedly in a different way. Okay, travel back in time with me to when I first moved to the L.A. area. I was actually in film school, and I had these dreams of being a big, influential movie director. And inwardly, I tried to hide it, but inwardly, I was really competitive. There was a class of 50 of us, and my thought was, well, maybe only one out of 50 will be great. But I think I know who it is. Very, very presumptuous, very arrogant. But that was my thinking, and I kind of kept it in. But, you know, as things went well in school, I felt good. As things did not go according to my plan, I didn't feel so good. And it's a whole other story. But in any case, at the end of my second semester, we had finished our second production class. We were all about production. We didn't care about cinema history. We had to do that fine. There's other things. But production, it was all about production. We'd finished 502. And now we were standing around... And we were 
thinking, well, what are, are we going to get into the next one, 546? Because it's competitive now. Like, we won't all get in. Plus, registration's a pain. The timing's all weird. You know, if I don't get an early enough registration time, blah, 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 blah. And we were standing around in a circle commiserating, and there was one guy there, and let's just call him Fred, not his real name, who had struggled in 502. He had not blown it off. If I remember correctly, he had some personal stuff going on, and he had not passed 502. And so he had to repeat it. And he was there with us. Everybody's talking about 546. He doesn't have to think about that because he's not qualified for it yet. He's going back to 502. And in the middle of everybody worrying about their registration, somebody said, well, Fred's got 502 locked up. And that was, of course, a very nasty thing to say, even though it was meant as a joke. It belittled Fred in front of a bunch of people and poked at a failure that was probably still very fresh for him. It was a terrible thing to say, but someone said it. And that someone was me. People laughed, which was what I was going for. But thinking about it now, I'm ashamed. It's easy when you say something like that to follow it up with, that's not me. Or I don't know where that came from. But it is me. And I do know where it came from. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, why would I say that? There's something going on inside my heart that brings that overflow. And it's really, really helpful to understand this specific process so that we can step-by-step work with it to grow in wisdom. Jesus, again, shows us that our actions reveal what's in our heart. Evil comes out of the evil stored in our hearts. Good comes out of the good stored in our hearts. And the question is, what are we storing up in our hearts? Now, the word heart, what does that mean? It can be very fuzzy. You've heard the phrase, maybe you've heard it, follow your heart. Everybody's heard it a million times. And all the other versions of it, follow your heart. In our culture, that's a hugely popular phrase. It's pushed very hard in storytelling and in other forms of media. Right? The idea is our heart is just our feelings and our desires. We need to do what we think is best for us. That's what that's saying, right? Nobody else could know. No one really knows my heart. So I'm just going to decide on my own. I'm going to follow my impulses. You know, maybe, excuse me, maybe I have some sort of inner compass, some sort of intuition that could never fail. Except mine has failed many times. I have punched down at people like Fred many times. I've done a lot of other things that I wish I could undo. That was while I was following my heart, right? But the Bible describes the heart differently. It's a different paradigm. The Bible talks about the heart as the decision-making core of a person. It's like the cockpit of an airplane. An airplane is huge. When the airplane arrives, you know it. It has an impact, right? It brings a lot with it. But the direction is set in the cockpit, nowhere else. You can't sit back there eating a bag of bad peanuts and decide where the plane's going. You have to be in the cockpit. Right? It sets the direction. My heart sets the direction for my life as I choose what I'm going to do. Don't let the wrong thing in the cockpit. Right? Now, the best way I've seen this explained is something called the heart diagram. There you go. The heart diagram was developed by a pastor, Harold Bullock, who has been a mentor to a lot of people in our church network. It's been a huge help to me personally. You can find a picture in the handbook. It's right up here. And the first thing that we see is that there are desires pluses and minuses, because you have good desires, but you also have bad desires. 
Did you know that we're a mixture of nobility and cruelty? That we're made in God's image, but we live in a broken world and we're willing to hurt people to get what we want? We know it. So we have negative and positive desires, right? And no, by the way, no one's born good. The Bible talks about how folly is wrapped up in the heart of a child. Have you ever been with a two-year-old? You can back me up, right? Parents, testify. Yeah. So we have these desires in our decision-making core, and then we also have perspective. Perspective is how you think life really works. It is not how you wish it worked. It is not how you think it ought to work. It is not how your neighbor or your friend or your mom or your pastor or anybody else thinks it works. Your perspective is how you think deep down it really works. Maybe, for example, you think that cutting down a classmate will give you an advantage somehow, that that's the way life really works. Okay? If I think making a cutting joke at someone at the expense of someone else is the way to get ahead in life, sooner or later, that's what I'll do. Right? Because my desires are going to filter through my perspective. Now, with perspective, we have values. There's two filters. They work together. Values, desires going and filtering through both. Values are what you think is most important. Now, we all value a lot of very good things. We value a lot of things that God values. Did you know that? Even if you're here today and you're not sure about God, which, by the way, man, I spent a lot of years like that. I'd love to talk to you about it if that's ever interesting to you. If you're not even sure about God, you still probably value many, many things that God does. All of us do. But the question really is, how do we rank them? The values here are ranked as we make a decision. Which one's the most important right now? I could build some clout with my classmates by saying something that gets a laugh. Or I could look out for somebody who's had a harder time than any of the rest of the 50 of us. Which one's more valuable to me right now? So the desires filter through our perspective and our values, and out comes our behavior. There it is. We do this without realizing it. I didn't think about this process in that situation I described. In the moment, I wasn't thinking about what my perspective and values were, right? but my decision flowed out of them anyway. My perspective was basically that life will reward me more for going for what I want than for looking out for other people. Have you ever... Let's just put it off on somebody else. Have you ever seen a newspaper article where somebody did that? They looked out for themselves more than for the people around them? Yeah, every crime story, right? Many, many, many others. So it's natural to think that. That's not how God thinks. And my, my value, or what I sorted as my highest value, was to be popular in the moment. I love being popular. How about you? At what cost will I try to be popular? What will I do to elevate myself? What will I rank below that? I didn't think through all this, but it overflowed out of my heart. Negative desire filtered by badly ranked set of values and a wrong perspective. It's no wonder my behavior was bad. Now, the reason I spent so much time talking about this and we're looking at this together is because it is so helpful as we try to understand why people do what they do. Why do you do what you do? And why... Or why not are we growing in wisdom? Understanding that our hearts work in this way can really help us figure out behavior. How do the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks? So when you do something and you wonder, where did that come from? You can ask yourself, well, what was my perspective? What did I really think about the way life worked? Not what I 
wished would work, but what I thought would really work. And then what were my values? What was the most important value at that time? Now, I promised that we would talk more about the billboards in Los Bernardino, or was it San Angeles? And the city saw more and more of these messages. There was one that said, it came from within. There it is. That's all it said. There was another one that said, perspective and values, unmatched filtration power. Can you buy that somewhere? I don't know. And then there was one that said, wherever you go, there you are. Now again, somebody's trying to get people's attention with these messages. Now one day, there was a change in the tone. There was one that said, the truth protects you. If you've ever done something that you don't want people to know about, you probably don't buy this, right? I don't, I don't think that way most of the time, because I don't want anybody to know what I did. I'm ashamed, or I might get in trouble. It might make things harder for me. But the billboard said, the truth protects you. Then another one said, the truth gets the job done. Then another one said, unwrap the truth like every day's your birthday. Unwrap the truth like every day's your birthday. And then, instead of a bunch of different messages on a bunch of different boards, all the boards were changed overnight. Throughout San Angeles, all the boards changed to say, ancient proverb, go all in for wisdom. Go all in for wisdom. People glanced at these signs as they passed by, and each person got to decide whether to consider the messages or not. And you and me, of course, we get to decide too. Wisdom is calling out. That's how the Bible describes it. Inviting us, come over here, learn from me. We should pay attention. So now let's shift gears and let's look at some of what the Bible says about the snapshot of the wise. As our lives flow from what we have in our hearts and as we try to grow in the ways of wisdom, here's some of what we should expect to find. This is some of the fruit that grows from the roots of God's wisdom. First of all, a wise person lives a good life and chooses humility. When I look at like lives a good life, to me that's like so, so plain, so obvious. Like it, I don't quite know what to make of that at first. But what James is talking about, let's look at the passage, James 3. Now James, by the way, was the brother of Jesus. Younger brother, at one point thought Jesus was crazy, this guy. My older brother, he's going around talking about he's the son of man. Right? He's the savior of the world. I don't get this guy. What an egomaniac. Right? They went and tried to have him sort of brought home so he couldn't go wild in public. But at some point, somewhere along the line, James realized, he's not just my brother. He's the son of God. He's the savior of the world. And it changed everything for James. And James became a leader in the early church, and he wrote this book. And in chapter 3, he asks some rhetorical questions. Who is wise and understanding among you? Hey, why don't you raise your hand if you think you're wise? Go ahead, hands up. Let him show it by his good life. It's not just about thinking you're wise. It's about what you actually are doing. By deeds, that's stuff you do, done in the humility that comes from wisdom. Uh-oh, so it's not just doing stuff. It's doing stuff with humility. Now, you could, you know, the humble brag, not good enough, says James, right? So a good life, at first, it's like, live a good life. What does it mean? Well, 
A wise person contributes good to the world around them. You can see the fruit of wisdom as we more and more contribute good to the world around us. It's just like we saw earlier in Luke. A person is known by the fruit in their life. Good produces good. Evil produces evil. The wise live a good life that flows from learning the wisdom of God that's found in the Bible and applying it to their life. So just like James is saying, don't just think you're wise. You need to put it into practice. You need to apply it to life. In fact, the wise person's perspective lines up with God's perspective, and their values line up with God's values. Their perspective is the same as the way God says life really works. And their values are the same things God says are most important. And these heart filters, right, lining up with God's perspective and values, they actually bring the humility. He says the humility that comes from wisdom. Humility is an interesting thing. It gives us a way into wisdom, and then it shows us. It's like the doorway in, and it's like the name tag. Hello, my name is Ben. I'm trying to grow in wisdom. Come on in. The door is still open for anyone who wants to come in. Now, how do you know if you have wisdom, if you have humility, pardon me? How do you know if you have humility? How do you really know? Now, don't worry. For me, that's not a problem because I'm awesome at being humble. (laughs) Next topic. No, obviously that's a joke, but it's a tricky thing because you could do, you could follow God for a long time. The enemy who wants to trip us up, wants to take us out, could say, wow, you did a great job. Must be hard to be humble. Wow, you did a great job. Are people noticing what a great job you've done? And attacks on humility over and over and over again. Humility is crucial, and we're going to look at that in more detail in a few weeks. But for now, let's just look at one verse. Paul wrote this to the Church of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. Let's pull it up here. For who makes you different from anyone else, Paul asks. And the Corinthians maybe are like this, because the answer is so obvious, but why does Paul even have to ask the question? Who makes you different from anyone else? God. God did. You didn't make yourself that way, right? What do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. Everything you have, you received. And just in case you didn't catch my first point, you received it from God. Everything you have, you received it from God. So why, if you did receive it, and if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? The only response is, I'm not going to boast anymore. So if we're contributing good to the world around us, to the extent that we are, that is because of God's grace. right? Every gift we have, every potential for good in this life, to bless other people, is from God. And so we focus on that, we can grow the humility that comes from wisdom and invites us into wisdom. Now, another, uh, th- another thing about characteristic of the wise is a wise person walks exactly. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17, this is Paul again, writing to a different church, and he says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Now again, that seems kind of obvious. Anybody here want to live an unwise life? No. But Paul goes on, making the most of every opportunity. You have opportunities, they're floating by. Take them now or they're gone. I have missed so many opportunities. How about you? Right? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Paul said that to the people of Ephesus a long time ago. 
Anybody here think the days are evil right now? Right? The Bible is relevant to life right now for each of us. So then he says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's a tough contrast. Either you're working to figure out what God wants, or Paul's saying the opposite is foolishness. Don't be foolish. Figure out what God wants. Make the most of the opportunities he's given you. Walk carefully. Be very careful how you live. Now, I'd like you to take a careful look at the word carefully. Do you see what I did there? Take a look at the word carefully, and then maybe you circle it. This word in Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, is akribos. Do I know how to pronounce that? No, I do not. Just making a, taking a swing. Akribos, it's, we get the word acrobat from that. Okay? We don't really see careless acrobats, right? It, they've all been eliminated from contention. Right? You have to be exact when you're flying through the air on a trapeze or walking across a tightrope. And this is the type of precision that Paul uses in this verse to describe the wise. They are exact. That's why the point is wise people walk exactly, carefully, exactly. They understand the will of God and they do it. Now, you may have heard this before, but there's an idea called the one degree of separation principle. Here we are with my hands. I'm trying to make two lines that line up exactly right. God's values and perspective, what God wants, and then me trying to go that exact direction. But what happens if I separate by one degree? Is this one? No, this is way more. I don't know. Sorry, you like geometry. This might be embarrassing to watch, but here we are, 30, I don't know. But one, even just one degree of separation, as you move through life, the gap opens. And it keeps opening. It keeps widening and widening. So if I'm the kind of person who says, I will obey God most of the time, but in these categories of life, I think I know better, then there's a gap. And I keep going that way, the gap will grow. The wise person takes the Bible seriously and carefully, exactly does what it says. And then the wise person has gumption. That's our next point. Gumption, that's a word we don't hear much. It's fun to say, let's bring it back. Are you with me? You use it three times, and it's yours. That feller had gumption. Two more. Let's see if we can do it. Gumption means initiative in using good judgment. That's a great word. We should be using it all the time. Son, you showed real gumption there. You knew the right thing to do, and you did it, even though it was hard. Right? The verses in Proverbs 30, 24 to 28, they give examples of wisdom that we can imitate. These are examples of having gumption. We're going to move through this quickly, but let's take a look. Four things on earth are small, but they are exceedingly wise. That means pay attention. It's not just because we love animals, because we want to grow in wisdom. Pay attention. Then he says, the ants are a people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. The rock badgers are people not mighty, yet they make their homes in the cliffs. Have you seen a rock badger? It's also called a hyrax. I think it's local to the area where this was written. Let's go to the next slide. The locusts have no king, yet all of them march in rank. And the lizard, you can take in your hand. You catch it, right? But even then, it is found in king's palaces. Kind of mysterious verses. Well, the ants, they store up their food in the future. So part of being a wise person, showing gumption by storing up resources for the future. That's hard for me, right? Right? trying to work on a budget, 
right? There's a limit to income, but there's always something that I want to do pulling at me, that I want to buy, pulling at me to spend instead of save. How about you? Wisdom does things in the proper order. Next example, the rock badgers, the hyraxes, they show us the wisdom of taking cover in danger. They're way up there. They worked hard to get up there, and when they're up there, they're safe, hidden among the rocks, living a good rock badger life. Okay? There's no reason to see a bad situation and walk right into it. God may lead you through difficult times, but you don't need to go and think, oh, yeah, you know, that could end up being a big problem. Here I go. No further thought needed. No, we don't do that. So let's imitate the hyrax. Now, next, the locusts, they don't have a king, but they work together. Foolishness isolates. I love being by myself. I don't know if you guys knew that. I'm an introvert, and introvert time is precious, right? I love that. So it's very easy for me to want to isolate myself. Oh, you know, we're all going to be doing this over here. Oh, yeah, you know, listen, have a great time. Sounds fun for you. <laughs> it's very easy for me to do that. Maybe you as well. But actually, isolating yourself too much is foolish. We're meant to live in community. We're meant to build one another up, to bear with one another. So we can't just check out. The opposite of that is aggressively cooperating. We could show gumption by aggressively cooperating. And then the lizard. We got lizards around here, so this is a good, a good image for us. We can, we can see it. We can grab it more quickly. You could go catch a lizard, right? You're quick, or maybe one of your kids is quick. Grab a lizard. But you can't keep it out of the king's palace, right? They just, they'll go anywhere. Anywhere they live, they'll, you can find them. And that's through diligence, through keeping at it. King's guard grabs lizards, chucks it out, or maybe does worse. I don't know. I wasn't there. I am not a witness. But somehow there's lizards in there anyway. Keep at it. Keep at it. Never, ever, ever, ever give up. Part of being wise is being diligent. So, this is the snapshot of the wise. Simple, right? We could do this quick, right? We could live a good life and choose humility, walk exactly, have gumption all the time. No. This is easier said than done, and it can feel really overwhelming. It could feel daunting. But wisdom doesn't come by pulling an all-nighter or pressuring yourself to change everything at once. Wisdom comes as we train in discernment. No shortcuts in training. But as you start, you grow. Hebrews 5.14, the writer of Hebrews says, but solid food is for the mature. Now this is referring to the word of righteousness, the Bible. He's saying, look, you guys should already know these things. We don't need to go back to the basics of Christianity because we've been through all this before. But I feel like that's what I have to do because of the things you're, you're carrying on about. He says, no. Solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment, which is what you guys should be doing, but you haven't yet, is what he's saying in this. I'm not talking to you. This is the writer of Hebrews talking to these guys. Have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the mature can look at the Bible and see how it fits into their life. And they learn how to do that by doing what it says. Look at it, do what it says. Training. Constantly practicing to distinguish good from evil is the way to become the wise person that we've been looking at. And we have these tools now to help us with it. Our actions reveal what's in our hearts, okay? And they flow out of our perspective and our values. So if you want to affect your behavior, 
you have to change your perspective and values. And if you want your perspective and values to line up with God's perspective and values, you have to know what God's perspective and values are. And then the profile of the wise person gives us what to aim for. And again, it's, it's daunting, but we take our first step and we train. And as a church, we train together. We move along together, cheering for one another, encouraging one another, spurring one another on. So my encouragement today for everyone is to practice distinguishing good from evil this week. Practice it in your own life, right? It's easy to say, oh, you know, my brother needs to distinguish good from evil. I have a few things that I could share with him. But let's practice it in our own lives, right? Maybe you need to change some patterns at work, patterns in relationships, something else, okay? Ask yourself, what is my perspective on how life really works in this situation? If I don't get a grip on my finances and I just kind of pretend that it's not a problem, that'll really work. Is that what I think? Maybe I need to change my thinking then, okay? Ask yourself, is that what God says about how life really works? And then what are your values? What are my values in this situation? Do these values reflect God's values? This is worth doing. You're chopping wood and your axe is dull. It's annoying to have to deal with the axe. But wisdom brings success. Sharpen the edge. Okay, you could do this as you look at stuff in the media too. You watch movies with your kids. You could just, what do you think about the fact that the kid in this movie disobeyed his parents and was a huge success? Is that how life really works? You could think about that. You could distinguish good from evil there. You could talk about it with your kids and help them to do that. Is this thing praising what God would praise? What led a person in the story to behave this way? Is that how life really works? The result of this over time is the good fruits. The tree that produced no fruits, that's not what we want for ourselves. Nobody wants that for themselves. Nobody wants that for their kids or their neighbors, right? So we're going for the wisdom that produces good fruit in life. As we wrap up today, let's go back one more time to the billboards of San Angeles. I mentioned there was a billboard that said, the truth protects you. God's word is actually a weapon. Did you know that? It helps you fight back against the lies of the enemy. It gives literal protection in life. I'm tempted by this but I've memorized a verse that directly addresses it. And so I walk away from the temptation. I'm literally protected from screwing up my life, right? So God's word is a weapon. God's wisdom is crucial in the battle of life. So armor up, weapons at the ready. Then there was a billboard that said, the truth gets the job done. And the fact is, wisdom is the tool for the job of living. You want the right tool for the job right? Sharpen the axe. And then there was one that said, unwrap the truth like every day is your birthday. Wisdom is a gift. It's better than any gift you've ever gotten before. Do you really believe that? I have a hard time with that. I have to keep reminding myself that that's what God says. It's precious. It's worth more than anything. So you get the gift and then you get to give it away. You can share the gift with others. And as you give it away, you actually get to keep it too. The greatest gift. Then, finally, the ancient proverb, go all in for wisdom. We've probably all heard the expression, the house always wins. The culture around us could be the house. The enemy that drives the culture could be the house. Your 
sinful desires, my sinful desires. There's still a war going on, even though I've made Jesus the boss of my life. Right? All of that is the house. And it will win unless we know the one and only bet that beats the odds. So bet on wisdom, all in. Let's pray together that God will help us become more and more like the profile of the wise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today, a day of life. Thank you for bringing us here and for giving us the opportunity to hear from your word. These things are really hard for me to put into practice. I just keep wanting to do my own thing. I keep coming up with good reasons why my ways are better than your ways. And then at the same time, I can stop and pause and realize that that's nonsense and that you made everything and you want the best for me, for everyone here. And we're only going to experience your success and your joy and peace and hope in life if we grow in your wisdom. So please, Father, help us to do that. Help us to figure out what our next steps are right now to train ourselves in wisdom. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to quickly go through some next steps and then we're going to continue in worship. Every week at Ridgeview, we want to make things practical. You could come and you could hear something, maybe remember the 15% or whatever it is, but when you take a next step, it's getting into your life. You take a next step every week, you have 52 next steps after a year. That's a big difference. So, what could your next step be today? You could memorize Ephesians 5.15, or you could go even further and memorize the whole passage. Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay? You could also take time to sharpen the axe this week, sharpen the edge. Slow down, stop, turn your phone off maybe. Consider your values and your perspective in a key area of life. This could be a little intimidating. Like Maybe there's an area of life that just seems out of control. I don't know what's going on here. If you're like me, you may not want to think about it much, but if you take the time to consider what your perspective is and if it lines up with God's, God will meet you right where you're at. If you start to commit to valuing his things the most, he will meet you right where you're at. It's worth the time. It's worth the effort, the struggle. And then finally, you could join a connect group to learn more about wisdom. Groups are such a great way to grow, such a great way to connect with more people. You can line up in rows like this week after week, and it'll never be the same as if you also join in with groups. We would love to see you there. I've, I've just had so many great experiences with people in groups, and it's been super helpful for my growth. So that's another next step that you could take, and let's carry on together. Let's grow in wisdom together. Let's continue in worship.